world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. So welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast. We're here to give thanks for comics. Some of the comics. Some of the comics. We are thankful for some <laughs> comics. And we are thankful for other comics for the conversation and delight that they provide. That's fair. We're grateful for about 90 comics on the list. <laughs> yeah. Plus or minus three. We'll see what happens with the ones today. Yeah. yeah. So we did, we're did. we doing something that I didn't think we would actually be doing frankly, when we uh, started this, we're doing a Thanksgiving special, which will go up just after Thanksgiving. Like everything else we do. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're perennially just a tad behind. We're going to be um, ready for Christmas, though. going to be going to be early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are. We're going to do our Christmas special next time. Um, where do we, we want to start with our, with our comics today? Oh, this is part of the conversation we didn't have that we were supposed to have. Yeah, I mean, probably should have done. Yeah. It's kind of like good, bad, or ugly. Like, what do you want to... Like... <laughs> uh, do we want to start uh, with the with the X-Men? You mean Vision and Scarlet Witch? Uh, the Avengers? Avengers? <laughs> Magne- Magneto? Yeah. Magnus? Is there... Oh my gosh, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta get in touch with Marvel. I just thought of the, of, of the next great Magneto book, Magnus Opus. Oh. I'm going to bet folding money right now that that exists. So you guys talk amongst yourself. I'll <laughs> so I'll, I'll go ahead and summarize this, I think, is probably the way to do it, right? <laughs> sure. As the adult in the room, yeah, I think that's, yeah. So uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch uh, had a solo series in 1985. And yeah, kind of an interesting little story where... Uh, the Vision and Scarlet Witch are married and, you know, Scarlet Witch is, is pregnant and they're starting a family. And that's super weird because the Vision is a robot. And so that's surely not going to have any, like, jarring psychological repercussions anywhere down the line. This story is odd. Uh, it comes from Steve Englehart and Richard Howell on uh, Story and Pencils, respectively. Uh, Frank Springer did the inks. And then uh, Team Parker and Oakley were the letterers with colors by Adam Phillips. The premise of the story is Vision and Scarlet Witch are, you know, they're settling down. They are starting a family in the suburbs. It's Thanksgiving, so they have all of their friends over. They have a couple of, like, random uh, neighbor human friends, and also Captain America and uh, Doctor Strange. Namor is just chilling in his swim trunks. Uh, the Wasp is there, Janet Van Dyne, and then um, knock at the door, or a doorbell rings, and who should show up but the Scarlet Witch's father, who is, of course, the, the mutant terrorist Magneto. <laughs> Lest we not forget, uh, momentary fling with Janet Van Dyne, the, Van, the Wasp. Oh, gosh. Had that happened at this point? I don't know, but I I hope it would I will, I will find out, because that is wild, if that's... <laughs> Man, I mean, if that doesn't sum up Thanksgiving, though, right? Like, <laughs> oh gosh, um, you kissed my anyway. father. I didn't know he was your dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's like they just found out, though. So awkward. Anyway, so Magneto shows up, and he's like, you know, trying to get quality time in with his daughter, uh, the Scarlet Witch, who kind of isn't having it. She points out that. Magneto basically, you know, blackmail is the wrong word, but he was emotionally and probably a little physically manipulative when he kept uh, the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver around on the original incarnation of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And she has not and cannot forgive him for it. But Magneto insists that he's changed, he's a different person than he was back then. Uh, At this point in... Uh, Marvel Comics lore, Magneto is actually in charge of the Xavier School, and I believe he is uh, overseeing the New Mutants, if not the X-Men proper as well. 
And so he's trying to convince her that he's turned over a new leaf, but she's not having it. And so he leaves and he's convinced that he needs to uh, show her that he has changed in his own way. But he's like on his way out, he's like, you know, rage quitting the Thanksgiving dinner party, which is something that I think a lot of us will want to do this year. Uh, (laughs) On his way out, he realizes that the house is about to fall under attack from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, including Toad, Mastermind, Quicksilver, and Magneto. The the last two there being a little confusing because both Quicksilver and Magneto are at this Thanksgiving dinner. So Magneto goes back inside and he recruits Vision and Quicksilver to fight off this uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, uh, which it turns out they are either, they're like robots or hallucinations of some kind that were created by Toad using alien technology that he uh, somehow got his hands on. And this was all an act of revenge against Magneto, who always belittled Toad and looked down on him, and an attempt to kidnap the Scarlet Witch so that she would fall in love with Toad because Toad was crushing on her. Uh, Kind of a silly little plot. It's foiled by the fact that Quicksilver is able to take his evil duplicate's place and uses that to trick Toad and take him down. Uh, And then the story ends with Magneto saying, or imparting on the Vision and Quicksilver, do not tell Wanda what happened here. I want her to learn to love and respect me based on my humanitarian efforts with the Xavier School and not because I saved her life. I don't want that to be in any way... uh, a variable that she considers in, in trying to figure out if she's going to forgive me or not. And he leaves, and that's the end of the story. So, yeah, um, kind of... Uh, here's the thing. I know that a lot of older comics... This is, you know, 1985. I think that's technically Bronze Age. They tend to be a little unsophisticated, a little bit wordy. Sometimes the art is really clunky because of the pace that people have to work at. I will say that this is one of the... In my uh, estimation, this is one of the stronger holiday special comics that we've read. And a lot of it is because it does what I think a lot of older comics did really well, which was the issue, the single issue was a unit of story that contributed to a larger story arc, but could still stand on its own. Like, I have no idea what was happening in Vision and Scarlet Witch number five or the issue that preceded this. I don't really know what was going on in X-Men and Magneto at this point, but I know enough about the characters to kind of pick up the gist. And the chunk of story here was really satisfying, I thought. There's definitely criticism to be leveled, and I think we will take some time with that. But overall, (laughs) I liked it. Um, I do have to say that uh, two things I I quite liked about the book was I like a lot of the facial expressions. And uh, and not to be that that guy... uh, Uh, on page, on page ten, there is an image of McNito drinking coffee. Oh gosh, that one's really good. It actually reminds me of uh, uh, what's his name, the guy that draws JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, you're right. It's the lips. It's probably. the it's the shadowing on the cheeks. It's a lot. The intensity in the eyes. There's a lot. It's a really good panel. On and I hate to make that comparison, uh, but a lot of the faces in here are, are really kind of fantastic. I think one of my other favorite ones is the one where Magneto shows up. Yeah. And it's the next panel and it's uh Quicksilver looking at Crystal and Quicksilver just has the, the biggest like face. Like there's just no there's Yeah, Wanda just didn't anguish. tell him that he was coming and he's like, dang it, dang it. Uh. <laughs> um the best is his his opening line. <laughs> The pair on Magneto, he comes into Thanksgiving dinner looking like Mr. Rogers, and he's like, good afternoon, everyone. Men call me Magneto. It's, it's so like, good. It's like, read the room. Now, of course, I say read the room. The Everyone's in their superhero outfits except Magneto. Uh, of anyone who you think who you think would be in their costume at all times, you'd think it'd be Magneto. But, like, I love that Namor's just there butt naked, just sitting on the sofa. <laughs> He's just like, you mind if I just rub, 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 rub my uh, tidy, tidy greenies on the uh, sofa right here while you guys get some, you know, canapes or whatever you're serving for your uh, friggin' uh, like appetizers. This is so gross. Just, ugh. 
But then Magneto comes in like, well, it's a lovely day in the neighborhood. Men call me Magneto. Like it's nothing <laughs> like nothing out of the ordinary. It's so weird. Uh, it's so weird. Yeah. Um, who says that? Men call me Magneto. I, that's how I introduce myself at Thanksgiving. Hello, family. Men call me Aldo. <laughs> they'll be like your parents would be like yeah we we named you uh i will say the the other thing a little less comically so the other thing i quite uh love about this issue um this is the first issue i've read where magneto gets way called out on being a hypocrite uh as as a as a victim of the holocaust but was then turned around and did the same atrocities that were done to him onto other people uh, under the guise of justice. And uh, boy, does this one the way call him out on that. And I kind of, I kind of appreciated that because it's, oh, I, I'm, absolutely. Pretty, I'm pretty sure it happens in other books, but like, it's nice to see it happen here over a holiday dinner. <laughs> yeah, no, this is exactly the type of story where you're, you want to do that. Um, it would, it isn't something though that you can do. I don't think. Unless you are dealing with a version of Magneto who is trying to do the face turn, right? Because if Magneto is in full-on supervillain mode and somebody says, you hypocrite, you were in the Holocaust and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. If you do that, I'm not sure if that's necessarily, like, running into anti-Semitic tropes. But it just, like, feels sort of, oh, man, I am not the right person to be weighing in on this. Because, you know, <laughs> not a Holocaust survivor, nor am I related to any. But it seems to me like the the weight of the Holocaust and the the sort of baggage that comes with it is not something that you want to be trying to unpack while you have a, you know, supervillain trying to drive the moon into the earth so that he can steal all the golden Fort Knox or whatever ridiculous supervillain plot is going on, right? But if you're having someone kind of struggling with it while they are also trying to struggle with their own reform, like that feels more morally uh, acceptable because now you're dealing with an emotional weight in a more appropriate context. Does that make sense? Well, yes. You're not, you can't see me push up my glasses and go, well, Goldfinger was the one who was trying to break into Fort Knox. And, uh, <laughs> uh, if you remember the film, he was uh, going to irradiate all of it so that his supply became the greatest in the well, well anyway. <laughs> there was a oh, lady named, there was a na- lady with an interesting name who flew the plane. So well, let me see if I can recall it. <laughs> Wait, I can't say that name on this podcast. Let's move on. <laughs> Gosh. Um, well, I like a lot of the, the facial work in this book. Um, I do think that some of the figures are less well rendered, uh, sometimes to the point of parody. Page 14 has what is probably both the best and the worst image. Panel 3, uh, Magneto is calling the vision outside and then Quicksilver... He says, Pietro, you too. And Quicksilver's like leaning on the back of the couch in such a way that you can see both of his butt cheeks, but it's in profile. It's It's like when they put Hawkeye in the suggestive poses that they put women in. It is! It's the Hawkeye Project! It's the Hawkeye Project, yeah. (laughs) Just like, there's a little little kick for the ladies too. (laughs) Oh gosh. Pietro's so quick, he can move, he can vibrate at such a frequency that you can see both cheeks in profile and my ribs. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know or if they mention it in here. I don't, I didn't pick it up. Uh, if they did, how far along is Wanda? Oh, that's the other thing. Wanda's pregnant. Um, yeah, and she's still wearing that corset. I can't be like... that far along. I don't think she says, and I don't know how soon after this. Does she end up ever having the child? Because I know that, like, there are twins, but maybe she imagined them. I'm always oh, fuzzy with this is where all that starts. Okay. Oh. Okay. Well, um, yeah, the corset would tell me early first trimester. <laughs> just, I just, I'm still blown away that, like, he's straight up in this green sweater. Like he's, <laughs> like, he's your friendly, you know, elderly neighbor, but he's Magneto, a master of magnetism, you know. But, I, but I'm wearing boots, so you know that I'm not on the job. I'm not going to try to kill all your human friends. Like, that's so weird. Um, another bit of art that uh, stuck out to me, uh, going back to page four, there are a couple things. Panel one, Namor's face. 
in panel one looks like it came straight from Archie Comics. Uh, yeah, the eyebrows. Yeah, I mean, they are they are both Namor and Archie appropriate at the same time. It's weird, but they are. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, and then you couple that with another panel on the same page down at the bottom where uh, Scarlet Witch is trying to talk to Luna, Quicksilver's daughter. And how big is that child? That is a tiny child. Well, it's because they didn't draw the child as a child. They drew them as a diminutive little adult. Like, it's that panel is awful. Like, she's itty-bitty teeny tiny, or the Scarlet Witch is enormous, but that's that's really poorly done. Children are, you've got to draw them different. Their proportions are way different. That's just bad. So. Yeah. And that's common through. Oh, that's not a rip on the artist who I think does a pretty, a pretty good job. Um, you know, this this looks like it's straight out of like how to draw comics the Marvel way. You know, like this is this is what they do, and it's done pretty well. But that drawing of, of Luna, and well, every time Luna is in is in this, it's bad. So, and that's pretty standard. Like people don't draw babies and kids. Like the, yeah, that happens a, a lot. Like that's an art history thing too, where you look yeah. at old old uh paintings and the children the babies all look like tiny adults oh it's, so, it's horrifying yeah yeah and i'm not one to to judge too harshly because i have tried to draw children and they have turned out abominable so um yeah, yeah i wouldn't be able to sell my work in a in a 12 issue mini series on the vision and scarlet witch so i definitely uh can't make fun of of howl and springer too much yeah. Um, especially again when they have so many other bits that are just really good um, yeah I, I'm just looking through again at the faces and the acting in the faces is all very good and we got this great dramatic Scarlet Witch pose on page 12 when she's really telling her father off um, she looks like she's putting a spell on him but it's super dramatic her cape's like flying her, her curls are going all over the place I, I, it's a really wonderful pose so, you know, there's good and bad in here, which I think is common when you are doing, you know, comics work, where you have strict deadlines, uh, very demanding timetables. Um, page eight, yeah. Another little Luna, where she just looks like, a, like, free me from this child-sized prison. It just, like, she just looks like they shrunk an adult's head down. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's... Kind of a fun story. I, I don't know that I have much else to say about it, but I've also talked about it a lot. Anybody have anything else they want to add? Good. I don't know if I'd like reread it again, but, you know, I'm not uh, upset that I read it, as I have been with other stuff that we've read. <laughs> so, yeah. Did we lose Aldo? Is he still here? No, I'm still here. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess that's kind of indicative of the thoughts I have on this book. I'm all thought okay. about. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, it's like, it's fine. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not amazing, but it's not like glaringly horrible. I think we'll have to wait till we get to the ranking to know this for sure. But I do think this might be the best holiday special comic that we've read. Yeah, I'm thinking about the other ones we've read, and I don't think that's a really tough contest. But... Maybe the Hawkeye one because I think the Wintertime Winter Friends Winter Fun special. Well, that's that's you know that's Hawkeye. Yeah, I think that one's probably better. We'll we'll deal with it when we get to the ranking. <laughs> Uh, who wants to go next? Uh, I can summarize Deadpool for us. Ooh, let's do it. Um, this is actually like right in the middle of of Axis. Um, the heroes. Uh, let's see. Uh, Deadpool is uh, kind of a Zen pool at the moment, as they say. Uh, he says uh, the summary. You see, the Red Skull used the brain and powers of Professor Xavier to spread hate over the entire world. Um, group of heroes and villains join forces to stop him culminating in a spell attempting to invert control of this red onslaught but instead it reverted to the moral alignments of everyone present heroes became villains villains became heroes and i became enlightened so at the moment deadpool is married to the daughter of satan is that right and he's like taken an oath of non-violence kind of and his costume has changed he has just white and black um kind of a friendlier face and uh you know is is mugged but just beats up the guys and uh wails on him with his frozen turkey without killing him um his arms are bare which is gross and distracting to me um <laughs> his his inner voice is the usual deadpool that you're used to who's trying to get him to stop being a hippie and to you know fight people and kill people again um he's a little worried because you know he thinks that his 
wife is not going to put up with a lot of this. And at this moment, there are... I read I read the earlier part of this run. There are people from North Korea who had been experimented on and have some of the X-Men powers. And right now, the X, they're, they're being cared for by the X-Men, but the X-Men have all turned into jerks. So they're really mad about these refugee freeloaders at the X-Mansion. And they have taken off the controls in the danger room, and everyone's in there, and there's going to be a brawl. And that's where we end... We're only reading the one issue, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's where that's Thanksgiving what we did ends. Based on the recommendation in the Marvel Unlimited program, they, they had their holiday specials, and they listed this one issue as a holiday special. Oh, good. So it's their fault that we uh, were left on a cliffhanger. Okay. So Deadpool is... His Thanksgiving is with um, his daughter from a previous relationship, um, but he brings his... Um, satan's daughter wife with him and it's kind of an awkward you know awkward thing he doesn't want to carve the turkey because that's you know uh he doesn't eat meat and that he he sees that as a way uh, as another form of killing and so that's awkward he doesn't kill some um bat rock and uh trapster some kind of c-list bad guys on the train like he said he would the next time he saw him his wife takes him out though um it's kind of a different deadpool where he's more instead of joking and making little um you know asides to himself uh, you know about the usual chimichangas and whatever else he's uh kind of like oh i need to i need to do this thing but i'm kind of conflicted morally about it and it's a it's a different deadpool so i think that's just you know what what's going on at this point in the in the comics and uh, due to the event um but not bad i uh enjoyed the art i thought um um the uh, X-Men, we got kind of different looks for uh, Beast and um, Iceman and uh, who else? Nightcrawler and Storm. Colossus is doing some karaoke, so that's cool. He's in a cowboy outfit. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, but um, that's not that's not the real Colossus, though. No, I think it's... Uh, is that one of the uh, refugees? The North Korean mutation. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was really confusing to me that the, the refugees look like Deadpool versions of the X-Men, right? I think he was... I think they, like, used him in their project. And yeah, so the North Korean mutates were all, like you mentioned earlier, were mutants. Um, but they fused their DNA with other X-Men DNA uh, using Deadpool's DNA as an in-between. Um, so that's why a lot of them have, like, all of the gross uh, Deadpool skin, um, but also yeah. look like mutants. Like, specifically, that's... That's why this was the most confusing part to me that they kept calling Purple Nightcrawler Kim. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it took me so, a minute. I was like, should I know who Kim is? And then he showed up and I was like, oh yeah, I remember because it's been a couple of years now since I read this. Yeah, so there, there's, there's Kim, who's the Nightcrawler, uh, Lee, who is the the Colossus, and then Storm, who is, yeah. who's Storm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's not, it's, it's not Aurora Monroe Storm. No, no, it's... It's I mean, North Korean there, but... storm. Yeah. Okay. Noko storm. Got it. <laughs> Noko. Noko. There you go. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, I, I liked it. It was, it was an interesting take because they, the, um, run up to this point had been some, some great Deadpool, like, you know, what you, what you expect from Deadpool. So this was an interesting way, I think, to tie into the, uh, big event while also, you know, still dealing with the issues that were going on in the individual story. So I, I thought it was good. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm impressed that they were able to work an event in so well when, you know, Deadpool is usually on the fringe of everything, but this is a good run. This, this is Jerry Duggan and Brian Prosane and then Mike Hawthorne did the art. Um, I, I think it's a great run and, um, you know, a lot of Deadpool fun and what you, what you would expect, but this was an interesting take on the character since he's, you know, morally much, much different. Uh, than his usual self. Yeah. So what did you guys think? Is the ghost of Benjamin Franklin in Deadpool's supporting cast? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I believe that the, the, the first arc is they're, they're like zombie presidents, so he has to go kill them because you can't have Captain America killing presidents because it's a bad look. Yeah, I thought it was like a nod to uh, Dr. McNinja. where Seriously? the clone of It's not. I don't. I mean, I don't think it is. Uh, the clone of Dr. Uh, the clone of Benjamin Franklin uh, was a tutor of a college professor of dr mcninjas for a while and then he gets like trapped in limbo limbo in in that universe is waiting endlessly for a waiter at a at a restaurant so it's like death shows up and then you have to wait and then like he gets there and he's like i've been waiting 
six centuries just for bread. <laughs> Someone else is at a table next to him, and it's just, oh, Heaven's a restaurant? What's it like? The service is terrible. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so that's what I thought I was seeing when Benjamin Franklin possesses a dude just to have a drink of booze, but, you know. It was seriously some, some Christopher Hastings nonsense there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of Chris Hastings' nonsense. I don't know if you guys have listened to uh, Rude Tales of Magic. That's another podcast. Um, he's on it, and it's like a role play, like a D and D actual play podcast. Really well produced, though. So they take out all of the rules and ah, oh, can you do that in this? And then like the dice rolling and crap. And so it's more just about the story. It's hilarious. I think we can all agree that there are just too many podcasts in this world. What? <laughs> no. Uh, I only listen to ours and and that one I mentioned and oh boy, okay, here we go. Now, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the podcast about podcasts, in which we talk about podcasts, in which podcasts you just listen to in podcast form. I think that's I think that's something NPR actually does. You know. <laughs> oh no! I said that as a joke. <laughs> no, that sounds like a thing. Uh. So I don't know if it's just my general antipathy towards the character of Deadpool, but honestly, I didn't get a whole lot out of this comic. Same. Um, there was one really good gag I liked when uh, Deadpool, you know, stops the the convenience store robbers. They shoot at him. He blocks the bullet with the turkey, but they don't ever get the bullet out of the turkey. So somebody bites into the bullet while they're all yeah. eating Thanksgiving dinner. That was pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good gag. Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah. You know, I did not pick up on that the first time I read that. <laughs> I did, and I was looking at it, I was like, what is that? Why is he, what does he do? Oh, the bullet from the, yeah, okay, that was yeah. pretty good. Oh, and I gotta say, I really like Zen Deadpool's design. Yeah. It's it's a bit like, I don't know, Street Fighter cosplay, but as Aldo and I have discussed a fair bit offline, I really like Street Fighter. I'm going to have to unpack that at some point because Street Fighter is like a little <laughs> racist, but a little. a little. I freaking love Street Fighter designs. They're so great. And yeah, I, I really like the Deadpool costume with the hood and the, like the, the giant beaded necklace. Um, but other than that, like the thing that kind of got me about this comic is that it wasn't absurd enough. Yeah. Like Batroc is in this. <laughs> And he's just taking a train. And he's, he's just, just taking a train. <laughs> and he's not speaking in like a ridiculous over-the-top French accent. Now maybe the absurdity is that this is normal where the rest of the comic has been pretty wild. Yeah, that's so, too meta for me. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's meta as much as like if you're not if you're not currently reading this run, then this doesn't jump out and it's not as different from the norm. If you haven't been reading it on the regular, you know, I think that if you had read up to this point, you'd go like, wow, this is a departure. This is, this is odd. You know, Deadpool being like going straight, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Although, what do you think about it? Uh, um, <laughs> don't hold back. Gosh, it was a, a Deadpool book. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when uh, I don't know the, the Deadpool equivalent of when somebody breathes in before they before they breathe out. Like stop for a moment, and that's what this book is. Um, <laughs> that's I, that's pretty much all I got. I mean, I don't know. It's I'm not fond of Deadpool. I I don't think that's a secret. So like a Deadpool book and then a Deadpool book where it's not really Deadpool. I mean, it is, but it's not because it's doing the opposite. My official review eh, out of yay. I guess. I guess one other thing is like, what is Deadpool doing that's all that dramatically different from what he normally does? It's like, not, it's literally just he's not killing. Yeah, and he's not swearing either. I guess. Yeah, he's you know, slightly more responsible. Slightly okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> like the the main takeaway that I got is that he wasn't funny. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I guess he wasn't cracking jokes. He wasn't. Uh, there wasn't very much fourth wall breaking, if any, which is kind of the thing that I know Deadpool best for. Um, there wasn't really any of the irreverence, and it's like, you take all of that away from Deadpool, and he's just kind of, like, you know, cut-rate Spider-Man. Yeah, without the web swing in action. Yeah. He's, he's married to, like, Satan's daughter, so that's something I, to un- No, that's a different that character, Satan's John. That's Satana. We, we read a comic with her not that long ago. This yeah. is a different character. Satan's got more than one kid. 
Satan gets around. Yeah. Uh, guys, guys, have you heard? That Satan is a floozy. I don't want to think about this. Uh, <laughs> uh, according to her Wikipedia article, she was married to uh, to Vlad Dracula at some point. So. Oh, he's still around in Marvel Comics. Yeah. He's in the public domain, so he's in every comic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Including Dr. McNinja. <laughs> he has a base on the moon. It's really great. That's one of my favorite. Punch Dracula is a great, great comic if you haven't read it. I feel like we should just, you know, convert this into the Dr. McNinja hero registration podcast. Hey, I know you're joking, but that's not the worst idea you've ever had. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can think of a couple ideas you've had that have been worse than <laughs> That is fair. I mean, I don't, I don't fare much better, so I don't know. I don't know if I should be talking. Uh, kettle and yeah, pot. I was like, we'll pull out my track record. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of just, yep. Like, sure is. Yep. This is the equivalent of reading, like, the third Harry Potter book and just being like, okay. Well, I mean, well, that's the, third the best Harry Potter one, book might be my favorite so... of them. Well, then I yeah, picked the wrong three one. Three or six. <laughs> I love four. You should have said five four or two. The, four is the one where it's that for me, but. I like four. Four is a good one. Also, just realized number four is the one that feels most like an anime arc. <laughs> it's a tournament arc. Oh, it's a tournament arc. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there you I go. I never made that connection before until just this moment. <laughs> Thanks for witnessing that with me. Um, <laughs> nice to see. Um, but, yeah, as far as this Deadpool story goes, uh, you've got, you know, the Thanksgiving dinner going on as well, and it's just like nothing, you know? The holiday dinner is like a really good time typically to invest in the drama and the, you know, the, or the, the comedy arcs in the comedy. Yeah, it's like, and there's just like nothing really to this. It's just Deadpool doesn't want to carve a turkey. That's, you know, maybe that's preferable that we didn't wade into some other drama this year. <laughs> was that on purpose? No, <laughs> this was just <laughs> coincidental. You'd figure that like a Deadpool Thanksgiving special would have like, you know, more murder in it or you know more fighting but um only like a slightly awkward moment of like i gotta spit this bullet out before i finish the rest of this dark meat i think um i don't know we're just doing thanksgiving dinner with just my wife and i and our kids we're not going anywhere and seeing anybody but um that's how we're avoiding extra drama this year so because it's <laughs> typical you know thanksgiving typically I, I i don't know i my family and my in-laws we typically avoid kind of weird subjects like you know, so that I've been lucky so far, but I also, I don't know, I understand where, where it's a, it's a kind of a, kind of a minefield, you know, where everyone gets together and everyone's tense because everyone has to cook and everyone wants everything to turn out just right. And we have to all be sitting at the table at the exact same time. And, oh, we got to bump this, per- oh, this person showed up and they should be at the kid's table, but they're supposed to be at this table. And now who's going to sit here? Who's going to sit there? And so that's usually the part where my great grandfather would just start buttering someone's hand of whoever was sitting next to him. So that's, um. I don't know how you guys do it in your family, but uh, it's a good good tension diffuser. Yeah, apparently uh, <laughs> not as much buttering. So. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. Well. <laughs> key, key difference, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, is it just me or has this gone off the rails a little? A little a bit. A little bit, yeah, because like, there's not much there to really get into. So should we move on to the last one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's time. Yeah. Uh, I think if any of these books have felt like cliffhangers in the middle of of the story uh i think this one feels the most talk about spider gwen uh issue number 14 from like the second launch of the series in the year 2015 of our lord yep uh, <laughs> uh this is called cold turkey uh it's written by jason latour and art by robbie rodriguez and chris visions uh and, and i mean art by two people as in there are two distinct halves to this book Statistically yes. speaking, um, but this picks this this book picks up way in the middle of an arc, and I don't know a whole lot of what's going on. And from what I could piece together, uh, what's happening here is uh, the kingpin is Matt Murdock in the Spider Man universe. I think that's really cool, and that's yeah. all I good I have to say about this comic. <laughs> yeah, Gwen Stacy's dad is still the chief of police, still alive, just like Gwen Stacy. And he's taken the fall for something, I think. Uh, they make a reference to uh, Frank Castle, who was also a police officer. And I guess he kind of went a little crazy uh, on, in his hunt for Spider-Woman. 
um, I'm trying to, there's so much stuff that like leads up to this, but the point of this is like, they're trying to barter a deal. They're trying to get some sort of plea bargain. Uh, they came in and Gwen Stacy with her dad who was in jail at the moment. And he just wants her to go and have a normal Thanksgiving, whatever that means in the Marvel universe. Yeah. And on her way home, she bumps into Aunt May who is grocery shopping as Ben Parker has uh, told her to, to kind of go get some stuff in this universe. Oh yeah. Another thing in this universe, uh, Peter Parker died. He turned into the lizard and Gwen, not Gwen, uh, Ben and May Parker are still alive without, without Peter. And everybody thinks Spider-Woman is responsible for this. So, you know, there you go. I think at this point they've, or, or at least in this issue, they make it clear that Aunt May has figured out who Gwen Stacy is and her involvement in all this stuff. And they have like this kind of uh, nice little moment where they, where Gwen Stacy kind of breaks down and Aunt May consoles her and kind of, kind of tells her that like she knows, but like, it's okay. Like she wants to believe that she's a good person and that like none of the people involved were actually involved in the way that we, they think they are. And so Gwen Stacy goes home. Uh, so does Aunt, Aunt May, and she has Thanksgiving with her with her husband. And Jessica Drew from the 616 universe and her boyfriend, the porcupine. <laughs> That's who, a thing. So silly. Yes, that was a, something I learned today. Also, I read this issue today, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they uh, so, so they're visiting her universe. And I, okay. Also, another thing. Oh my gosh, I hate this book. There's so many another things in here. This book was not meant to be read by itself. <laughs> <laughs> when Stacy has lost her spider powers, it seems like. Because uh, who was attacking? Koala Commander was attacking the Macy's <laughs> Thanksgiving Day Parade. So Jessica Drew and the Porcupine had to go had to go save that. But before they leave, they kind of have like this nice coming together moment where they tell her like, hey, you know, it's, o- it's okay that, you know, you you're focusing on school you're focusing on work you're focusing on your band like the stuff you're focusing on but they're like but maybe you should focus like on yourself a little bit find what like makes you happy outside of being spider-woman now that you don't have the powers to be spider-woman like that's kind of a a nice little moment uh other than that not a whole lot happens that's the book yeah (laughs) that's the book i just said i don't know i probably gave I don't know. I think I said more about the book than the book actually says about itself. It's not great. Um, I found the uh, shift in art almost to where I was questioning, like, did we go to a different universe? Because Spider-Woman's from a different universe. It, I, I, I hated it. Like, hate, like, I, I thought, okay, this is an interesting, like, dynamic with uh, Matt Murdock as the Kingpin. That's kind of cool. But then the art was just so awful. Like, th- and it's not... It's not, it's just, it's sloppy. It's sloppy. It's, it's, you know, the paneling is fine. Like, okay, you get this shot, this medium shot, this close-up shot, you know. And, and, like, the anatomy and everything seems all right. But it's just horrible, like, sloppy work. You know, it seems like it was just thrown together. And, and, you know, I'm not a great artist, but, like, I... I could piece together something like this, you know, and the, and like I, I and I shouldn't because I'm not a good artist, like on the professional level. And we go from like Robert Rodriguez. I'm looking at his Instagram. There are some outstanding uh, Gwen Stacy uh, posts just from like I don't know, like nine posts ago, twelve posts ago, or whatever. Um, if you're going from uh, you know his his work as of today. And like excellent line work, figure work, you know, not not like not anything out of place or, or um, you know, uh, unnecessary, just really clean and, and really cool and, and just nailed the poses that he's that he's drawing. And then you like you flip from page 13 to 14 and it's just like, oh, what who like left their home, let, let their homework be finished by like the junior high art class. It's just terrible. So I don't know what the situation was. I don't know if it was like a rush job and they had somebody who like, you know, I, you can finish it. This is you have to finish it. Sorry. And we're going to accept whatever because it's just bad. So I don't I don't think it's bad. Uh, here's what I will say, though. I will say that the shift between the art styles is 
absolute whiplash. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, however, I think, I think kind of going back to our red, red, white and truth issue. I don't think the art is bad. I actually really like the art. I just don't I think this was the art. book for it. I just, I don't think this was the book for that art. I feel like there's a lot of energy, a lot, a lot of really good colors, a lot of interesting line work in it. Um, that just kind of goes to waste here because it's just conversations. And I think in another book, that art could be really interesting to read through, but not, not here. It's just kind of jarring and it's kind of doesn't, it kind of doesn't do anything. It doesn't really add to anything here just kind of there the one place where it really like got me uh was the shift from page 11 to page 12 um where 11 you've got and i believe that's rodriguez's art there and then on page 12 you shift and it's it's visions and that shift what happens in that page turn is gwen realizes that may knows that she is spider woman and that winds up being like I don't know. I think it's really good in that moment. But you think that's when the art shift happens? That's not when the art shifts. There, I mean, it's well, the, slightly the art shifts different. a couple of times. Yeah, but not between artists. I think it I does. I don't think so. Because if you look, you've got very rigid, very clear, you know, very square and rectangular panels all throughout until you get to page 12. And then you turn the page and it's the very rigid, very square panels again. And then you turn the page, and then it's really very dramatically different. I think that's more of an artistic decision for that specific moment rather than yeah, I think shift in art. It's an artistic decision, or it like, or even that it's more rushed. It like it seriously looks like it's just rushed. Yeah, because I think the art between the two artists is so drastic. I don't, I don't think that where a shift interesting well maybe what it is and it, yeah it's fair i might be wrong on this maybe what it is is rodriguez trying to match vision's style a little bit more yeah possibly no because it's it's not even like they're not even close I, like i i get like there is a kind of a, a shift like you know in that like in that conversation with with may but it's i don't i don't know what i don't know i, I guess i'm not seeing the same thing you're seeing I, it's not like the the big change between artists it has to be between thirteen and fourteen. Thirteen is Rodriguez, and then fourteen is Visions. And I get that like the a, a few pages before that were a little like sparse, a little bit different in style. I think that's just like they were in a hurry. Like even the coloring looks sloppier. I don't think it's I, a hurry. I think I genuinely think it's them trying to convey kind of all those emotions that she's figuring all this stuff. Because I think part of it is supposed to be that like when Stacy's kind of spiraling she's breaking down and then she's hugged by by may parker again and kind of the panels kind of go back to being square as if she's grounded again like it's not panicking at least that's, that's my possible. interpretation yeah. it's a reasonable interpretation um regardless like i actually did think that page turn was really effective and then to turn the page over a couple other times when uh jessica drew shows up and it's it's not my taste. Again, I'm kind of with Aldo where I don't think the art is bad at this point, but I think it matches a book of a different tone. I just think there's a lot of energy here that's going to waste. And Ooh, that's a good way of putting it. Because mm. I, I feel like I feel like if you put, uh, like I don't know, let's say, a uh, Fraser, and then you shift over to Scotty Young, but it's still the same script. That's a pretty big shift in art styles. And like... Typically, I don't, I'm not going to say that Frazier doesn't work on, like, action-packed titles. But he certainly doesn't Frazier work on, like, comedic right? action-packed titles. So, like, you know, imagine Scotty Youngart in, like, a serious Frazier Irving-type uh, book. It's I think it's kind of that. I, I'm trying to make this analogy on the fly. But, <laughs> uh, I, like, I think that's what's happening. Because this art style, is it's it's funny. It's, it's kind of quirky. It's just... And I get what they're trying to do here because they're focusing a lot on the baby. They're, they're, they have a hero in here named the Porcupine. Like, I get it. <laughs> the baby looks like a baby. Yeah, at bare minimum. Um, <laughs> so, like, you have all that stuff happening. And then the attack on... I think the only part where, like, this art style really, like, kicks in into where it's useful. Or not useful, but, like, appropriate. Is when they show the, the, the Thanksgiving Day Parade with Koala Commander attacking. 
Yeah. Koala Commander. I, I did laugh at that, actually. And is Howard the Duck a president in this in this universe? Uh, I don't know who the president is. Because they were saying President Duck. Uh, oh. I'll you know, look it up. Um, But yeah, but I think for having, you know, that kind of frantic, frantic of an art style and then just having conversations happen, even with like a baby involved, just kind of hanging out. It's just kind of, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the right, the right fit. And I don't know why they kind of picked him. Maybe they want to try him out. You know, it's a bit of an inconsequential bit. Like, whatever. Or, I don't know, maybe like John kind of theorized. Maybe it's a rush job and, and he was the one that who could complete it. I, I don't know. Maybe. I will say, I actually really like the way he draws Roger, the porcupine. Oh, the porcupine. I actually think he's got, like, a fun face. He reminds me of, like, Goofy Zangief from Street Fighter. Yeah, we're making more Street Fighter references. But he's just like... <laughs> It's a great comic face. I'm looking specifically, you know, page 21. He flips the channel and he gets like super excited to see the, the cartoon supervillain on, on the TV. And he's like, oh, sweet. We got to go punch a guy. And he puts his mask on on the next page. And he's just like, well, time to do it. I, I just, I don't know. I, I actually really like that design. Um, and the, the, again, the acting that the character does. I do think it's weird that Jessica Drew is wearing her, her Spider-Woman glasses the whole time. Yeah, that is a little weird. Uh, you know, you know what that reminds me. His face reminds me of with the mask. Uh, two mm-hmm. things reminds me of the of the dad from the Black Widow movie that we haven't seen. Oh yet. yeah, yeah. That's that's what I <laughs> reminds got. me of that. But also in times of COVID, it reminds me of the big burly must uh bearded dudes who who wear the face masks. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, they have a piece of cloth and then just so much hair just bursting out at the seams. Yep. Yeah, I love it. It's comical. <laughs> I appreciate them for doing it still. But it's funny. <laughs> uh, Earth 65, a human named Howard T. Duck is the president of the United States. Oh, you're kidding me. That's it. That's all it <laughs> That's is. That's awesome it's just and he- awful at he- the same time. It's just a little nod. So um, I will say, okay, so we're talking about, like, as a Thanksgiving special, I actually think this comic works pretty well. Again, it's like there's a lot going on in this series at this time, and it, this story doesn't really do a good job of bringing us up to speed on everything. Um, but, like, you have the family get together for the meal. You have kind of, like, the emotional resolutions that are going on. You have even a montage of how everybody is celebrating Thanksgiving at this time. You see, you know, the Parkers spending some time together. You see Gwen's father in jail. Uh, like, you see some of that, and it's it's kind of charming. It's like what you want from a ho- uh, holiday comic. And so, like, I do think it works on that level, um, even though, again, it's it's kind of easy to get lost in the superhero drama minutia right yeah and and okay here's my biggest gripe is it never delivers on kingpin daredevil cutting a turkey seriously with with his with his Raphael knives <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know they're called size i know they're called size i got that okay no, this is a sigh <laughs> does, does that mean it's ranking time Yes. Unless you had anything else to say. I, I don't have much on this. I, we've already said more than I thought we would. Well, we got, we got teens with attitudes, so time to. It's it's ranking time. Oh, oh. I, I tried like to make should... a Power Rangers <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't have a belt or whatever that thing is. There's Zord, is that what it's called? No, the Zord's the 20-foot tall robot. They've they got their, their Ranger coins. The Morphers. Yeah. Oh, Morphers, that's it. Because it's morphin that's, time. That's where that's where I that's where I dropped off. Like I was fine with like X Men the animated series, and I was fine with uh, like Ninja Turtles. But like when Power Rangers came out, I was like, "Huh, yeah, this is the thing. I'm done with. I'm done." And that's yeah. Uh so ten- tangentially related to to uh, Power Rangers, but more so to our podcast. I started watching the the seventies Japanese Spider Man series. <laughs> oh boy that is a gem that is that is yeah oh yes <laughs> it's campy i love it <laughs> but also if you don't want to watch it and you just want to get the gist of it i do recommend watching episode one of marvel 616 on disney plus is that gonna be enjoyable or frustrating uh it's enjoyable i it, 
because they really okay. talk about like the history and the making of and like everything that involved making that show and a lot of it is them talking about how super limited on budget they were and they kind of reveal a lot of the secrets they do and like at least for me that kind of enhanced the, sh the show as you can see <laughs> you can see certain scenes where like they uh spider-man jumps to the ceiling and you can see the little rope that's going through his shirt tugging him up <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that was a good watch i am enjoying cool. the crap out of it so let's rank some stuff so uh we currently have 122 comics on our list and i was going through it to see the highest ranking holiday comic we have is the uh spider-man's tangled web number 21 by darwin cook Twas the fight before christmas so yeah, that's at number 75 so we don't tend to rank holiday cool. stories terribly high the lowest ranked holiday story that we have on our list uh well i mean do we count marvel zombies as a holiday story kind of like i mean we'll reread it on halloween but it's not it doesn't take place on the holiday around a holiday yeah um, if it's if it's one that takes place around a holiday, we're talking the world's greatest detective, which is the She-Hulk teams up with with Santa Claus story. That's at number one thirteen. I thought world's greatest detective was Drax. That's the galaxy's greatest detective. Galaxy. Oh, how silly! That's of me. significantly <laughs> higher on the list. Too. So yeah, so Drax uh, technically outranks Santa in his detective status. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Drax is better than Santa. <laughs> Drax outranks Santa. <laughs> um, I think the the ceiling is eighty one, which is the NBC Wintertime Winter Friends Winter Fun Special, the Hawkeye uh, kind of. Well, it's almost like a one shot in the middle of the run because it shows like the little show that they're watching, or or it's a fever dream of Hawkeye's who's worried about his his place in the Avengers. I like that one. It's fun. Um, it's a it's a nice little break, kind of. Uh, between the stuff that's going on in Hawkeye, but I, I don't think any of these are better than that. So I have, yeah, I have to agree almost on the basis that like, e like you said, it's in the middle of a run, but it still does a good enough job at separating itself from the run that you can read it by itself. Yeah. The mutant who came to dinner, which is the vision and Scarlet witch story is the story that I think gets closest to doing what, NBC Wintertime Winter Friends Winter Fun Special does, which is be part of a longer story arc, but stand well on its own. I think uh, uh, NBC yeah. Wintertime Winter Friends Winter Fun Special is a little bit better, if nothing else, because it's got that super charming Chris Eliopoulos art, and I really yeah, yeah, like yeah. Chris Eliopoulos. Yeah. Um, but I don't actually know that uh, The Mutant Who Came to Dinner goes much lower than it. I, I honestly liked it. And I'm actually getting fonder. Like, I'm thinking... I like it more the more I think of it. Not enough to take it much higher. Like, I almost want to put it at 82 just beneath the Hawkeye special. Uh, I'm only... I'm fine with that. If only because of, uh, you know, as John pointed out, uh, men call me Magneto line is... <laughs> Chef yeah. hands emoji. Chef hands, exactly. Yeah, I'm looking at these other ones and... It's a lot better. Like, I like Vader Down, um, and we have a few that aren't, I don't like as much. Um, it's better than Long Shot. <laughs> um, Long Shot's just, that's just a mess. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, dude. I know, Steven, that you, like, there's some fondness there. I just didn't like I, it. I cannot fault anybody for, for thinking <laughs> that way about it. Well, so... In, in the interest of fairness, I will offer this. I am a fan of all Terminator films and shows, and fully acknowledging all? that there's, uh, yeah, like, like Sarah Connor, Sarah Sarah Connor Chronicles, Terminator, Terminator Two, Terminator Three, like uh, Salvation, Genesis, like they are. There are a lot that are bad. They are bad. They they are. I will still go see them. I still. I just like Terminator. I don't know why. Um, and and like lately, it's been more bad than good. So I'm like, you know, like they got to come up with a better one at some point, right? So, but it just. I'm just in the interest of fairness. I also like stuff that's not great. Yeah. Um. I don't know if that's supposed to make me feel better about liking Longshot, but it doesn't matter because we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> The Mutant Who Came to Dinner, which, yeah, I think that goes in at 82. Okay, go. Cool. Okay. I'll put it there. 
I was doing that while he was going on his Terminator rant. <laughs> <laughs> Cold turkey? Or do, oh, Deadpool. Deadpool. I'll be quiet. Guess who's bumming at dinner is what the story is Which called. there's barely a dinner to bum at. I know. that's The dinner's not even like a third of the book. Yeah, this goes significantly lower for me, mainly because it's more... So the, the story that I want to compare it to first is Happily Ever After, which I think is too low on the list, but it evokes a similar emotion in me, <laughs> which is kind of nothing. Yeah, it's kind of a like a placeholder, like Happily, or, yeah, Happily Ever After is kind of like a pause before they get back to like whatever's going on in that comic. This is, it, it's, I don't know, I like, I think it's, it's, it's just one issue is the problem. You know, we were just focusing on Thanksgiving, so judging it as a story compared with, like, six-issue arcs is tricky. I think that it's, you know, they did a good job fitting it with the rest of, of you know, the series. But that's not what we're talking about because that's not what we read. So I would, you know, yeah, put it lower. Um, yeah. I don't know if I want to go that low necessarily, but that's just where my head uh, goes I first. think it goes above Pervy Santa, but... Probably below Happily Ever After. Okay. I mean, I'm not opposed to that necessarily. I was going to put it above Galacta, Daughter of Galactus. Ooh. Uh, it might go above Galacta, Daughter of Galactus. Yeah, I see. I think I still think the Deadpool comic is a good comic. And Galacta and Below, those are mostly all just awful, bad, terrible crap. I remember I was so. the outlier on Galacta. I remember that. Well, it spoke to, I think, an art style and genre that that is your bread and butter, but all I saw was just, it was just creepy to me. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't understand the whole, every, yeah. Uh, so did we reach a consensus? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Once we get to that point of the list, I'm like, okay, if it's better than Galacta, I kind of want to put it above Extremis. Extremis is a more complete story though. It at least yes, has like a beginning Yes, but it's an Iron Man end. story and Tony Stark sucks. Oh, and remember, Extremist is only good because you have you attach the memories of it to the movies, which actually are good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> correct. <laughs> I mean, fair, fair. That is fair and accurate. Yes, okay. No, I mean, I I watched the motion comic for Extremis, and I still remember there being like you know coherent beginning, middle, ending. There wasn't a lame Thanksgiving dinner. Well, I say lame Thanksgiving dinner. There was still a bullet in the turkey. Let's not forget. I don't know. That's my vote. You guys, you guys do whatever you want. This is this is a democratic triumvirate here. Let's, okay, let's put it between Extremis and Galacta. Oh, really? above Galacta. She eats more than Deadpool yeah, does. Yeah, it's this, this book, is okay. Perv. Yeah, Deadpool. The the Deadpool comic does not objectify a coded teenager girl. Yeah. In in uncomfortable ways. Super uncomfortable. Yeah, just well. Nobody drools sexily at the prospect of eating Wolverine. Which I mean, let's 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 be frank. That needs to happen more often. <laughs> not when the, the character doing nope. it is a teenage girl. Nope. Hey, before I close this Wikipedia article, in Marvel Zombies, an alternate version of Howard the Duck becomes infected with the zombie plague and eats the brains of the alternate Ash that is native to the zombie version of the multi, uh, Marvel Universe. He is swiftly slain by the Scarlet Witch and the original Ash Williams of the Evil Dead series. What on earth? I don't remember that when we read Marvel Zombies, but I cannot tell you how much more that makes me hate Marvel uh, Zombies than I already did. We haven't gotten there yet. I don't think that's yet. one we that we've actually read yet. yet. The, oh, spoiler alert, there's more garbage on the way. That's next Halloween. Oh, no. Oh, there's so much more. We have, uh, I, 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 I am making a blood oath to myself that we won't stop this podcast until we catch up to Marvel Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And seeing as they keep putting one out every year, boy. I'll be plugged into a machine being like, Aldo, l- let me die. And he's like, no, <laughs> the oath. No, we must read Marvel Zombies 17. Um, <laughs> no. Um, where do we put Spider-Gwen? Cold Turkey. So it's in between those two, I think. And I don't think it, I, like, I actually do like The Mutant Came to Dinner a lot better. Yeah. Um, but this is still kind of a lot. Okay. Um, GLXmas Special, which is at number 96. I think it's comparable, but do we think it's better or worse? That's, that's where I'm going. I was thinking just above Sweet Christmas, personally. Where is Sweet Christmas? Oh, Sweet Christmas is at 94. 94. Yeah. Um, I definitely liked Exiles, which is 95, better than this. 
even though it wasn't that great, it's still like yeah. I guess that's yeah. just the art. That art shift was just awful. yeah. The art shift and, and just the lack of it was a bit jarring information. Like it's it almost feels a little unfair because this book was definitely not meant to be read on its own, and and we did that. Sure. And, but I, I think also like with you know the amount of knowledge of the universe that we have, even even this like alternate universe with Spider Gwen, we still kind of know like the status quo of everything, so we can quickly okay, this is what we're gonna you know. I don't think so. I think if this is like your first book, which it definitely shouldn't be, but like whatever, you saw the cover, you thought it was neat, uh, you opened it. Uh, I I would be. I mean, I read the Spider Gwen book and I was lost. I have forgotten a lot of information. That was a struggle to like catch up. Uh, so so I don't know. I think I think maybe I just talked myself yeah. back down below. GLX was special. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I kind of want to put it above GLX was special. Um. Just because I, I think GLX was special was more ambitious and in some ways worked a lot better. But it also had some kind of unfortunate jokes about suicide. I remember. Oh uh, yeah. I've completely forgotten GLX Miss Special. I'm just gonna say GLX Miss Special was the one where it was like five different short stories, right? Right. Yeah. So I would put it between Exiles and GLX Miss Special. Yeah, I feel comfortable with that. Okay. Well, I mean, didn't you say you liked Exiles better? <laughs> yeah. I thought you'd be happy, John. I thought I was giving you what you wanted. No, this is my happy. Am <laughs> I? Do I not sound happy? <laughs> I'm overjoyed. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for coming around to my point of view. Eeyore is an underrated Muppet. He's not a Muppet. Oh, he's not a Muppet. I know he's not a Muppet. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> wow, that was the quickest backtrack I've seen in, uh, I mean, a couple of weeks at least. I definitely have Muppets on the brain because we've been watching a fair bit of the Muppets recently. Uh, turns out we like Muppets. I, you know, if I met someone who didn't like Muppets, I would be suspicious of that person. Because, like, there's got to be something for you. They're, they've been around for a while, and dang if Treasure Island isn't a great one. That's such a great movie. Freaking Tim Curry is so good in that movie. So good. I mean, he's good in about everything, but... I'm just a fan of the Cur- of the Vine video with Kermit singing Usher. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that one. Beautiful. Um, I mean, I, I, mean, I like the Muppets. I... I do i just not like a super i'm not a super fan i like the rendition of bohemian rhapsody where animals starts going like mama 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 that's a yeah that's that's a frequent watch at our house my four-year-old daughter loves it i'm really trying to be like okay we're gonna watch the live aid concert now because you gotta (laughs) you gotta know what it really is all about because i learned about bohemian rhapsody from wayne's world so it's you know i'm trying not to pass on (laughs) the mistakes of my parents to my children i learned about uh bohemian rhapsody because my mom had a crush on freddie mercury understandable oh was she disappointed or did she know (laughs) no she she gets it (laughs) she gets it i just would hate i would hate for it to be like a big disappointment like he's so He what? She's, I think she's had oh. a, uh, at least like 25 years to come to terms. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm not saying she's still upset. I'm saying at the time, at the time, I'm not saying she's still like, she still pines for him. She still has like a little altar with a candle and like, you know, like a, t- a white tank top on the t- candle and like, you know, a microphone stand laying in front of the candle. And every night she's like, oh, Mr. Yeah, Fahrenheit. My, yeah, my mom, like, uh, yeah, know, she like, keeps... <laughs> She keeps uh, Freddie Mercury's photo for the for the Day of the Dead altar. <laughs> oh my god! That's a joke. I promise. You. Uh, here's our here's our great great grandfather, and here's a uh, great grandmother, and this is our abuelita from last year who just passed away. And here, here on the right there on the afrenda is Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Lest we forget. Gosh. <laughs> I am concerned about all of this. So for our next episode. Uh, Thanksgiving will be behind us. Christmas will be before us. We thought it was time to read some more holiday comics. We're going to do another three for, we're going to do three stories that are Christmas related and who oh boy, we will have to see about these. <laughs> so the first one that we're reading is the Merry X-Men holiday special. For some reason, I looked at the cover and thought this was, you know, 
like a mid two thousands comic. No, this was from like two years ago. So, all right, uh, looks like a bunch of X Men stories. Um, the second story that we're going to read is the Gwenpool Holiday Special. Every mix up. So we had so much fun with Gwen Stacy this time. Uh, this isn't Gwen Stacy. Gwendolyn Gwenpool Poole, is a different remember? character. Her name is Gwenpool. Yeah, I know. I I'm also a. And this book is especially featuring Deadpool, Miles Morales. The Red Skull. I don't know who the other person is. Punisher? Santa? <laughs> it's the Punisher. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is Frank Castle. Yep. Yeah, that's Punisher. And, and Santa. And there's Santa Claus. The guy in the red suit, that's Santa, yeah. Oh, I thought that was Deadpool. Oh, that's the other guy in the red suit. Oh, I thought that was Red Skull. Oh, that's the other guy in the red suit. Oh, red that Skull makes just sense. has a red skull. No suit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, see? Yeah, it's in the name. Gotta look. Gotta listen for those t- context clues. Masters of comedy here. <laughs> I'm glad we record separately, because like, Stephen would have, like, like straight up Three Stooges <laughs> smacked us by now. Like, many, many, many moons ago. What else are we reading, Stephen? Our third story is going to be Wolverine, number 49, from 2003. So, yeah, um, these are... I'm, I'm excited. I'm enjoying reading holiday comics. For one thing, the reading's a lot quicker. Yeah, that does make it easier with, you know, everything going on, so. Yep. And that's that's kind of it for now. Um, hope you guys are going to have a, a great Thanksgiving. Um, be sure to enter every room, no matter what color sweater you're wearing, by boldly declaring what men call you. <laughs> and, then, and then if you want to be extra fancy, you can be like, men call me this, but you can call me honey. <laughs> <laughs> and all those mom is like I already do <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> <laughs>